I, over the previous few weeks, I ponder in my mind, think of avenues I can go. But this, I didn't sit down to Friday to have a go at this. And I have struggled and struggled because, in my case, the title is quite wrong. I'm doing Down in the Valley. Um, I was going to do a Welsh accent, but I discovered when I do a Welsh accent, it ends up sounding like Pakistani, and that could confuse, so I'm not going to do an accent. And I want to tell you a true story. The Little Drummer Boy. Now, I'm told in presentations you should never use one of these. They are bad form. Now, I want you to look at the board here. This is La Croquet. It's situated in the middle of the Dordogne in France, about 550 miles from the Euro Tunnel. You can do it in eight hours. You're doing 80 miles an hour. And it's in the middle of nowhere. Here is a farm. Here is where we stayed, and this is where the pigs lived. It was back in the 90s, and this is an absolutely true story of heroism by myself. And as you can see, it's surrounded by forestry. You could walk from here about 100 miles into the forests, crossing the old road, and never see a town. And this particular year, there were eight people staying. It was a converted uh, farmhouse, a bakery, an outhouse that converted to people could live. And we had a house called La Peche, the Peach. In the bakery, another house, there were eight people staying, four of them teachers. Now we have high expectations, not to speak ill of any teachers here, high expectations of teachers. And they were with their, their partners, and one had a baby. I'm assuming they were in their mid to late 20s, would you say, and perhaps they were students at college together, and they were having holiday together. And this one particular day, they decided after lunch to go for a walk into the valley forest. Now, they were not silly. They took the owner's dog with them, Sparky. My kids love Sparky. He was an Alsatian, I think, Collie Cross. And so he went with them into the woods. As time drew on, after one o'clock, two, three, four, five o'clock, these people hadn't appeared. And we got to ten o'clock at night, pitch dark, and the other couple of days were getting quite worried now because this family had, these families had not arrived back. And so Ken, who was the owner with his wife, they'd gone into the forest a bit and they said... The problem is, there are no signposts of this forest. There are no maps. It is easy to get lost. If you come across a, fem a sow boar with its piglets, you are in physical death. There's a chance it would charge and gore you to death. There are snakes in the woods that could do you, vipers that could do you damage. And so, I said, what if I go up here? to a place called Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E. -R -R -E. And Ken said, no, no point. I said, no, I'm going to go up there. I'm gonna, so at 10 o'clock, I drove out of here, down here, and up this road here. A mile or a mile and a half later, I saw this weary group coming out of the forest, and I saved them. They climbed into my seven-seater espace, and I took them back, weary, exhausted. And do you know what the mistake they made? Would you like to guess what the mistake they was map? There's no maps. They followed Sparky. <laughs> Sparky had no sense of anything. 
He just liked to lie down and have his tummy rubbed by the kids. And they followed Sparky. So if ever a teacher says to you, I want to go on a walking trip, just think about Sparky. But of course, you're in the valleys. And the valleys take many forms and shapes. But what is a valley? Let's go to the Wikipedia. A valley is an elongated low area, often running between hills or mountains, which will typically contain a river or streaming stream running from one end to the, the other. Most valleys are formed by erosion of the land surface by rivers or streams over a long period. I know you knew all that, but I always think it's good. To, but when you look at valleys, you know, you've got these lovely valleys here with, you know, the trees, the rolling river. You know, this one here, a bit more craggy, a bit more difficult to reverse. This is in Israel. Can you imagine trying to get down these valleys? And here's a more typical valley in Israel. And then when I said to you, where in the Bible would you read about valleys? There's only one place we turn to. Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's not Sparky will be with you. I will be with you. Stephen Sizer said this, God's antidote to dark values, valleys is Psalm 23. And I'd like to read Psalm 23 if I may. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. Have you considered that? This is what Charles Spurgeon, he was a Baptist preacher from the 1800s, said this, The sweetest word of the whole is that monosyllable, my. He does not say, the Lord is the shepherd of the world at large and leads forth a multitude as his flock, but the Lord is my shepherd. If he is a shepherd to no one else, he is a shepherd to me. He cares for me. He watches over me and preserves me. It's a strange illusion that God puts here for David now, we all say, well, he, you know, David was a shepherd. But if you're a family and you've got a farm and you've got some sheep, it was always the youngest son was kicked out to go and look after the sheep. It was the pits. It was the worst job you can have, being a shepherd. And shepherds were the bottom of the pile in society, even up to Jesus' time. And yet, this psalm compares God to a shepherd. It goes on to say, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Can we take the edge off this talk, please? The sound, take the edge off. Uh, he guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Gloria shared with me last week, there was a time in her life when... She had this picture in her dreams and such like of walking through a thick wooded forest and people were coming to attack her and suddenly this great staff appeared and just bashed them all out the way 
and she knew God was working the journey with her. Spurgeon goes on to say about this thing, this psalm, he wrote, I like to recall the fact that this psalm was written by David probably when he was a king, he'd been a shepherd, and he was not ashamed of his former occupation. It has charmed more griefs to rest than all the philosophy of the world. Psalm 23 has remanded to their dungeon more felon thoughts, more black doubts, more thieving sorrows than there are sands, of gra sands on the seashore. It has comforted the noble host of the poor. It has clung courage to the army of the disappointed. It has poured balm and consolation into the heart of the sick, of captives in dungeons, of widows in their pinching griefs, of orphans in their loneliness. Dying soldiers have died easier as it is read to them. Ghastly hospitals have been illuminated. It has visited the prisoner and broken his chains and like Peter's angel led him forth in imagination and sung him back to his home again. It has made the dying Christian slave freer than his master, and consoled those whom dying he had left behind mourning, not so much that he was gone, as because they were left, of, they were left behind and could not go too. And I hadn't realised, until I started preparing on Friday, the importance of this psalm. Two weeks ago, I went to visit Mick and Gloria. And God told me to do something which, as they know, I was pretty nervous about doing. And God spoke to me when I woke up, you need to go and read Psalm 23 to Mick. So I said to Mick, if you don't know, he's got cancer. And it's got worse and worse. And I said to Mick, how are you? And he said, I'm halfway to heaven. I said to him, God said I've got to read Psalm 23 to you. I know, I'd never thought for somebody dying, I've never been so moved in my life reading that psalm to Mick. And when I walked home, I cried the whole way. And I sat at home doing just a note to the elders, I said, I'm saying this with tears in my eyes, to see a friend who's just, when I go and visit Gloria and Mick, are just so full of the Lord. I'm astounded. In that valley of darkness when the end is coming ever closer. Boyce said, millions, millions of people have memorized this psalm. Even those who have learned a few other scriptures, portions. Ministers have used it to comfort people who are going through severe personal trials, suffering illness or dying. For some, the words of this psalm have been the last they've ever uttered in life. And this very small chapter or psalm, just six verses, you can read it in sort of 15 seconds, is one of the most poignant scriptures in the Bible that talks about being in a valley. And there are many different types of valleys. Uncertainty, fear, detour, suffering, the list goes on and I guarantee if you haven't already at some point in your Christian life you will find yourself in a valley. You will find in a place where you don't want to be. There is a valley in Borneo I believe, now you can go on holidays and they've got it all worked out the tracks but in the previous explorers they'd go into this valley in Borneo and invariably never came out because it was so dark. 
there were so many creatures and things in there and there were tribes we've never seen and they got lost in the valley and died and as a Christian the death we can suffer apart from physical death is that death of denying our Christ remember the Bible did not say that you're sitting or standing in the valley of the shadow of death but rather you are going through it and that's the key phrase you are going through the shadow of death and I cannot offer you an explanation why one person is having a my, my glass is always half full to somebody who says mine is permanently, permanently half empty I can't explain to you why you go through things that I don't suffer but then again you don't know the valleys I've gone through in my life because I'm quite a private person you may think well on the, on the front bow you're over the top you're out there Louise will tell you another side I have my times when I'm down my times when I don't want to come to church I've, I don't want to be the person you expect me to be but I know that's nothing compared to some of the valleys that you here go through the valley of financial problems the valley of arguments the valleys of being let down the valleys of not being loved the valleys of not being wanted the valleys of you can add your own name to it but they are very real very real indeed Jesus said I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take heart I've overcome the world Mick has had cancer for 18 years 20 years for the last three years he can't walk because he broke his legs bound in a bed every time I visit Mick and Gloria I come away encouraged but heavy of heart I remember sitting with Sue Taylor in hospital once and she was not well and I said do you want me to pray for healing for your Ill her illness and she said no because in this illness I've learnt so much about God and it's sometimes those valley situations when you realize all I can cry out to is God it says in Isaiah 43 do not fear I have redeemed you I have summoned you by name you are mine when you pass through the waters I will be with you when you pass through the rivers they will not sweep over you when you walk through the fire you will not be burned the flames will not set you ablaze for I am the Lord your God the fact that God makes it personal my shepherd your God my God And some of you may be feeling in the valleys for a long long time all I can say is God says I'm with you as I've said many times our God is the biggest da dad in the playground he has the biggest club going that's staff the teachers picked the wrong person to follow Sparky was not a leader of men and women but it implies in these scriptures that God is David wrote that psalm 
He related back to when he was a shepherd. I want to read you part of Psalm 40 because it gives you another side of King David. Now, King David, in those times, he had multiple wives. Okay, that's his burden to bear. He had, he was a king. It was the biggest time Israel went up into Syria. It was a massive piece of territory they had. It was also the only time I can think of when there was peace in the whole area around. The scripture says, when the people of Israel bless the Lord, God will bless the people around them. What that means to me is, when you are in the blessing of God in your home, people around you will share that blessing. Because you bring the very things that God, you bring his peace, you bring his presence, you bring his love, his charity, his compassion, his kindness, his gentleness. You bring it into situation because you, who you are. But, when you're feeling physically ill, your Christian faith goes quite down, doesn't it? I waited patiently for the Lord, says David. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done and things you, you plan for us. None can compare with you were I to speak and tell of your deeds. They would be too many. And that sense that he considered himself in the bottom of the valley. And you think, but what a fantastic... If you read the whole of the psalm, it's incredible what he said afterwards. But come with me to the end of the psalm. As his son God's praises, do not withhold your mercy from me. Lord, may your love and faithfulness always protect me. When you're down in the valley, it's a common theme. You feel on your own. You feel depressed. You feel lonely. You feel you're the only one. You feel that like nobody cares. Where does that come from? It doesn't come from Psalm 23. It doesn't come from scriptures in the Bible except where it says, the devil whispers in your ear. The devil whispers in your ear. God doesn't really love you. You're not that good. The reason why people don't ring you because they don't, well, you're not that a lovely person to ring. And those doubts creep in. As the darkness, when you're in a valley, of course, when the sun goes down, it goes pretty quick. If you ever been to Innsbruck in Austria, it's set in a bowl of mountains. And when the sun goes down, it goes down in a half an hour from daylight to darkness because it, you are crammed in with no light coming over the top. And when you're in one of these very narrow valleys, it can get dark very, very quickly according to who you listen to. And Dave says, do not withhold your mercy from me. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. And sometimes when you're in that valley, you're reminded of your life before. And you say, Lord, you know the things I've done. Is that why I'm like this? They are more than the hairs of my head, he says. And my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly to help me. May all who want to take my life 
be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, Aha! be appalled at their own shame. May, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those for, who long for you, your saving, always help, always say, The Lord is great. You think, what a great place to finish. But he finishes with this. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Did I really save those teachers out of the woods? They'd already come out of the woods. I just took all the glory. And they got into my van or my spas. We even got Sparky in, although he was the bad boy of the story. And we took them back. And there was such a relief on their faces as they were able to get a drink of coffee or wine or something stronger, I can imagine. And the sense the baby was going to be fed. That sense of relief. And there are times you have or already have when you would just have to cry out to God. There's no other choice but to scream. I can remember some years back, I'd be dealing with social service with a difficult case in the church at the time, and uh, they rang me, they actually rang me back, which was a miracle in itself, and I sat in the car down the road just here, parked it, and I spoke to this woman from social services, and she was, I was telling her what we were doing, she said, but you shouldn't have to be doing all that as a church. I said, well, you're not doing it. And this went on, and eventually we ended the conversation. I can remember slamming my fist against my windscreen and said, God, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. And there are times when you just feel you want to throw a brick at the window. Times when you think, Lord, where the heck are you? I want to play you a video. We all set video with sound. Yeah. 
watching that video. And each of our journeys are very different and very personal. As a church leader I discovered early on I can't explain all problems. I don't have an answer to some of the things you go through. And more often than not, if I pray for you, I'll pray just for two things, that you might have the peace of God and the presence of God. I rarely pray for the change in the situation because often I don't know how to pray for it because some of the situations you have as individuals are quite desperate and I finish praying with you and I sit down and I feel Lord I did not know what to say but what I do know God it's not necessary if you read Psalm 40, it's not necessary Psalm 40, not necessarily after your words and your thoughts because God knows your heart. We will all have valleys. They all may seem very hard, but they are a fact of the Christian life. It's a consequence of sin has corrupted everything on this planet. You can see that the planet is disintegrating basically with the climate change. I mean, look at the weather. It's fantastic here. Other parts of the world are having different, like Morocco. The floods, the heat that's killed many people in the southern parts of Europe. The drought. The unequal quality of food and finances. I can go on and on. How man, does he really care for his fellow man or woman? Trust. It's where you put your trust. Is it in your bricks and mortar, in your money, or your family, or friends? The Bible says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And for me, it's a desperation. That's all I've got to offer. Do not lean on your own understanding. How often I try to explain the situation and work my way through it. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. 
I've not enjoyed preparing for this talk for the first time ever I've not enjoyed preparing it because part of me says I don't have the ability to express some of the desperate states you find yourselves in I don't feel I can do justice to Psalm 23 it's the most amazing scripture it's one it's not just the classic I can remember as a young man when I was 2021 I got asked to speak at an old people's home so I rang my good friend Jeff Carr who was married as a, a sort of mentor I said Jeff what do I do he said quite simple Barry he said do Psalm 23 read it in the authorized version and I'll guarantee they'll all read it with you so I went there they didn't have shit. They all knew Psalm 23 off by heart. It's amazing. And when I go into old people's home, I always use the authorised version because they know it. They know the Lord's Prayer. They have the scriptures printed on their minds through their education. And we need to have Psalm 23 tattooed, if you like, somewhere where we can read it on a daily basis. If you haven't learned it, I'd encourage you to learn it. It's simple, it's short, but it gives you hope for the day that you are going through this, implying you'll come out of this. If you go into the valleys when you're skiing, you have to ski down one valley, get down the bottom, you can go up another valley, but you can't get from valley to valley by hopping over the mountains. Maybe a bit easier on skis, but actually in a car you can't do that. You're on the journey. But the Bible says time and time again, God is walking with you with a staff and what's interesting in the simple ways the in this country having worked in the sheep industry the shepherd is behind the sheep telling them where to go and coercing them shouting and cursing them throwing dogs at them in the Middle East smaller flocks the sheep would follow the sheep would follow. And implies of the 99 sheep, the God says in the parable, he leaves the 99 knowing they're safe to go and find the one who lost their way. Just like me going to Barry to find the way. It talks about him going as out of the way that when I get lost, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit will go and find me. So when you ever think that you've got to a place where God has given up on you, if you're worried about it, then he hasn't. My last slide was going to be, and I changed it, stuck in the valley. But it is, the fact is, we can be down in the valley. We can be there for days. We can be there for months. We can feel like the whole of our life. But wherever we are, we're up on the hills or the mountains, down the valley. There's one thing is true. When you're at the top of the mountain, you can sing your praises to God and you can trust him. And when you're down in the valley, you can sing your praises to God and you can trust him. I wish... No. I don't feel I have the answers to life. I like these sort of questions. But I know a person who does. And it's the name of Jesus. I wonder if you could just bow your heads. And you may be in a place where you don't want to be. A valley of whatever, it may be finance, it may be a friendship, it may be whatever it is, families, relationships. I want you to picture in your mind, you're standing in that barren place of that. 
and you can't climb out of it because the rocks keep slipping. Perhaps the trees are so bit high and it's dark you can't see where you're going. And you're aware that in this particular valley there are animals, there are predators, there are things that scare the living daylights out of you. And you realize, standing next to you, there's a gigantic man, nine foot tall. He just stands there. And as you take a step forward, he takes a step forward. And each time you take a step, he follows. And you see a creature in the distance. And this guy just raises his, his staff. And it goes away. He walks with you. He never leaves you. He doesn't desert you and gives up on you. He walks with you at your speed until you come to a place where you're safe at light. And that is the picture we need to cling on to. That is Psalm 23. I use it in funerals when I'm doing non-Christians. And I read it at the beginning because people know it. Then I say in my talk is, I'd like to read it as a born-again Christian. And I say, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He comforts me, it says, during that time in the valley. How God is with me in the difficult time I'm standing here when you've lost a loved one. All I can say is no matter what situation you are in, God is standing next to you with his staff. I'm available if you want to chat. In Jesus' name. Amen.